0: This is marking out pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans we marking out y'all Follow on twitter pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans we marking out y'all marking out pro wrestling talk for pro wrestling fans we marking out y'all friend like this pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans we marking out y'all marking
1: out, markin out pro wrestling talk by
2: pro wrestling fans welcome to marking out Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. This is episode six hundred fifty-seven. Make sure that you're checking us out over at MarkingOut.com. Buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com/slash-MarkAndOut. Give us a follow on Instagram at MarkingOut11 and on Twitter at MarkingOut. Check us out on all other social media platforms. Make sure you follow me, Dave the Rave, over on Instagram and Twitter and Threads at David. PT D P T. make sure that you're following brandon at b t t g one six one and also chris over on twitter at chris dog and on instagram at
1: cm sweeney 85 but that being said brandon how are you i'm doing awesome ish as always Still. nice how about what's yourself this ish? Nah, what's this ish nah, about nah, nah, nah. how about yourself I'm doing good.
2: I'm doing good. I hope you're not sick again. Over no, there.
1: I just I don't know. I uh, I'll take a lot longer to recover. Apparently. Ah, damn. Damn.
2: But well, how was right. your?
1: I mean, I was gonna say, how was your week? It's not really been such a long week yet. Where? Yeah. No. Recording everything is quite good. Early.
2: <laughs> everything is good on my end. Uh, it's nothing weekend? really
1: too special to write home about. How about you? Well, I went to see Simple Plan, Some Forty One, and The Offspring at Jones Beach on Saturday, and uh, they were they were all so good. I, I predominantly went because, like, the the main selling factor there for me was Simple Plan. Why you saw them like before? Yeah, but it's still I saw them uh, three times at Epcot.
2: Yeah, so why is that a selling factor for you?
1: I, well, it's just like. I don't know. I had I hadn't been to a a paid concert since December thirteenth, two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been to Jones Beach since August two thousand nineteen. So but, really, it was just you had to get out there. Yeah, I mean, it was a, that was a, a main. I think that that very much so helped the selling factor of it. The All tickets right. were like twenty dollars. Oh, that's another that's a selling steal. factor. And then uh, it might have been have $25 twenty five dollars. I didn't
2: realize it was twenty dollars.
1: Yeah, I think it was actually twenty five though.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to see the offspring in some forty one.
1: Yeah, and then some forty one. I think it was one of their final like. Uh, I, I don't know if the the tour was like the final two dates of the tour, mm-hmm. and they have like five other shows left in their whole career as a band together. No way. Yeah, they announced uh, they announced this tour, and then they announced that they were that they were uh, ending. They're running People are like Wait a minute You guys just announced a tour And they're like Yes this will be our last tour So That's That's it for some 41 all right. right. But I I was I was expecting Jones Beach To look a lot different there Because there's like So much construction going on Mm -hmm. But you really I feel like you don't really Notice that part And I also assume That by the next time I'm at Jones Beach Which I don't know if it'll be next summer I don't know if it'll be The summer after that but I assume it'll like finally look a lot different once.
2: Why? What construction's I, taking place?
1: I think they're redoing the whole concourse.
2: Wow! So they like, the they time. redid
1: like the VIP area.
2: Yeah, but I I've, I'm I'm not planning on going VIP
1: anytime no, absolutely soon. Absolutely not. No, but I think they're they're going to be redoing the whole like main concourse too. All right. And I think they're redoing like the the gates and everything there. You did luck out with the weather. I saw the week before. Uh, I don't know if I did luck out. Well, I lucked out that there wasn't rain. I lucked out that it wasn't burning hot, but it was freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, the, the week before, there was a concert where the water was going up to the front row. And I've seen that happen there before when, uh, when we saw Kenny Chesney there. Yeah, Kenny Chesney had happened. Having people running around in cowboy boots and bay water. That has to suck.
2: Yeah, I would not be happy about that. I mean, you're paying so much money to be in the front row, yeah, and then you you're walking around in water. But
1: that's the that's the tides for you. Yeah, it's definitely a unique unique venue. Yeah, and it sucks that it's kind of annoying that they're all like cashless now. Oh, and I hate I hate not having a physical ticket. What? Okay, so first off, why cashless? Why is everybody that's doing just that? what I mean, their excuse, I think, was COVID, but I feel like that's where everyone was trying to move anyway. Yeah. And it's so weird because, like, rewind prior to COVID, it's like for how many years you go, you need cash or something for something. You go to you an ATM, you stick a card in a machine and you get cash. Now we're sticking cash in machines and getting a card. Mm-hmm. What is that? Like, in what world? <laughs> like
2: i know it's so so, goofy it's so messed up and then you mentioned something else that i agree with you i am not a fan of tickle ticketless events yeah
1: i am really not a fan of like not having the actual physical ticket
2: yeah i i am a big fan of wanting to have a
1: ticket in hand but i i printed out my uh i got sent collector tickets I think mm-hmm. that, that that was a thing for this concert for some reason. And I uh, printed out the the ticket from my cellular device. So I have mm-hmm. that, but it's not the same thing as a hard ticket. Yeah. People no, like... I, I mean, I, even... I... I think it's so goofy that people do it, but people started getting tickets graded. And, yeah, uh, I saw. And now you just... You literally can't do stuff like that anymore.
2: Yeah, I think that... Tickets are the best way to go about it. I can't even, I don't even remember the last
1: actual hard copy ticket that I've had. I do. For me, it was uh, AEW. Wow. Because I didn't have a a smartphone back then. So I went to the box office. Same thing for SmackDown at Madison Square Garden. That was the month before that. Mm hmm. Or maybe the same month. I don't remember. But uh, definitely the same year and uh, season. But. Those were like the last two tickets, even also uh when I went to the Mets game the the tickets were on my my dad's phone, mm-hmm. but if you go to the box office, they were more than happy to print out the physical ticket for you, yeah, so I don't think all venues will do this, but City field did that, and that's uh that's pretty dope that they did that, yeah. Also, the uh, the screens at Jones Beach now, they're no longer projectors. They're the LED boards so mm-hmm. huge upgrade for that. Yeah, I thought that looked really good in the videos. Yeah, that you could see some on uh, TikTok at Marking Out. Yeah. Uh, after the concert, though, we went to TGI Fridays. Why the I, I begged, sadness? I begged not to go there. I begged not to go there. I don't think Fridays is good. I don't think it's like... It's okay, but it's not really good. Mm-hmm. I was trying to lobby for Applebee's and they're like, oh, Applebee's is worse than Friday's. I was like, you shut your your mouth. You have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. There's no, in I have not been to Applebee's in a long time, so maybe they've gone downhill. But I would 100% any day of the week pick Applebee's over Friday's.
2: I don't know. It's To me, it's fast food restaurants. Fast, a,
1: fast casual?
2: Yeah, I'm not...
1: But it's... I would much there's rather There's better go places if, out there. Yes, but if it's like open late, the only options are really diner, Fridays, Applebee's, and I really didn't want to go to a diner.
2: I Yeah, that's the thing. I would rather go to a diner than Applebee's
1: or Fridays. I don't know. Big time. And then I also... I went to the corner galley again. That was the place that gives you the all-you-can-eat salad and soda. Okay. Eh. <laughs> no. Like, the last time the food was okay, and you're really just going because it's the unlimited salad and soda, really. Yeah. But the it's like, the for what you're paying, it's 100% not worth it. Mm. And like I said the last time when I spoke about it, I really don't think that they've updated anything since the 70s when they opened. That's not good. So it's like it's. I mean, it's like you're taking a, a a step back in time. Yeah, yeah. So it is like a cool place to experience, but again, I don't. I would not say like that would be a regular place I I check out
2: that you would go to.
1: Yeah, but I uh, get that, yeah. But outside of that, man, I got home from. From Simple Plan, some forty-one and the offspring on Saturday night, and I watched WWE Payback in full. I got home at like one a.m. and I completed the pay- the the PLE. Yeah, I was like, we got to talk about this. I mean, I actually I didn't see the the kickoff show. Nothing happened on that, right? I just no. realized that. mm Not. I wonder. I wonder if anything, any fun segments took place. I'm a big fan of the kickoff shows that WWE puts on, so... I can't say that I am, but I was definitely... What do you mean, how not? I don't know, but I was definitely... AEW started doing the the WWE-style kickoff shows recently. Like, they're very, very new to them, and uh, I was entertained by the All-In kickoff show and the All-Out kickoff show, so hopefully that continues to become a thing in AEW and, and grows and gets better. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that pay-per-view that took place. P-L-E.
2: Payback kicking off with Becky Lynch, picking up the victory over Trish Stratus in a cage match. And this matchup was one hell of an opener
1: and one hell of a match. It was weird that they they opened this, this event with a video package Then they went into another video package for this match. And I thought that was weird. It was a good video package. I just thought it was weird. They were like, now ladies and gentlemen, the cage match. And then they, and they air the video and then go into the match. Everything. Yeah. Tiffany Stratton was sitting ringside there. I thought it was interesting that Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus had like similar color schemes for their gear. Like I did even they both looked like they could have been different members of Kiss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I kid, okay. But yeah, I, thought I thought that thought this there's... this is this is really cool to see, especially with Trish. I'm happy for Trish Stratus because the era of WWE that she got brought up in, now she's getting to do these matches that at one point she really didn't get a chance to shine with. Yeah, they I did mean, have she had her first they, it
1: did exist back then, but very very rarely.
2: Exactly. I mean, just, was this her first steel cage match? No.
1: Yeah, it was.
2: It was. And she just had her first ladder match at the the last time. So she had her first ever ladder match. She now has her first ever steel cage match. And I just can't help but be happy for Trish Stratus. She already has such a Hall of Fame career. But now to be able to add onto it, and so she can have, she could be able to say that, she was able to participate in XYZ, I think is really special. And this matchup was
1: just unbelievable. That superplex from the top turnbuckle was incredible. Even before that superplex, I, there was a like such a simple spot when Trish Stratus did the Matrix like duck down reversal. hmm Becky Lynch turns around, hits her with a leg drop. I thought that was such a a great that was cool. I like I like the spot where
2: Becky where Trish Stratus was uh, wrapped around Becky Lynch on the top rope, and she got knocked down. And then pulled herself up, kind of like a uh, Drew McIntyre, kind of a sit-up move in the turnbuckle. Right. And I forgot what exactly that went into. If it was, was it the a, the bulldog, it may have been the bulldog spot. I forgot, but I was I thought that that was just a cool spot. Um, Tristratus Stratus really... uh, hit the widow's
1: peak and then like sold
2: it like Victoria. Yeah, and, and then, then right after that you had Becky Lynch hitting Twist of Fate on
1: Trish Stratus. Which was an homage to Victoria versus Lita, who had a cage match back in two thousand three.
2: Yeah, I thought was that a, was really And cool. then I saw uh Victoria put out a, a tweet saying how she was uh thankful and stuff like that and how it was really special that they paid homage
1: to that. The dangle spot that Trish Stratus did bumping yeah. on the cage like that, that was I thought nuts.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: that superplex, like you said, wasn't an insane. And we saw Zoe Stark show up. She tried to pull uh, Trish Stratus out while Becky Lynch like was trying to pull Trish Stratus back in, I believe. And she ends up smashing the door into Becky Lynch's face. She gets in the ring and Becky Lynch shuts the door and shuts her in. That manhandle slam from the top rope that finished the match, I thought was uh, a great move. Mm-hmm. And just overall, the, for for what we... I thought last week you didn't really like it or whatever. That main event that we saw between Becky Lynch and Zoe Stark and then this cage match was uh, were two of the, the best parts of this entire feud.
2: Yeah, this, this match I definitely enjoyed a lot more than anything else that they had. Um, and then at the end of the match, Trish Stratus is in the ring with Zoe Stark. And Trish Stratus is not happy with Zoe Stark. Uh, what I liked about this was Zoe Stark went to leave the cage, but instead of leaving the cage, she actually closed the cage well, door and Trish, stepped up to Trish. Trish
1: slapped her first. Yeah, Trish slapped her. Um, and then it looked like she was going to leave it, and then she was like, nah screw that shuts her in takes Trish Stratus out and then later on we saw Tiffany Stratton uh confront Becky Lynch but we'll get to her or I'll get to her at least yeah that was a a, one of the rumors for a feud after that we had John Cena where I feel like as a host he could have opened the show but where he was on this card like this segment I thought was fine He put the first match over, which I think is huge for Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Zoe Stark, I'll include.
2: Yeah, yeah, especially with this in mind, with what's about to take place, it makes sense for this to be here.
1: Yeah, and then he announced that he's going to be refereeing for LA Knight versus The Miz, and I like that they brought up WrestleMania 27 and Miz and John Cena main eventing there, but Michael Cole, (laughs) he made me laugh because Michael Cole's like, oh, do you remember who was on the undercard? cuz that was Michael Cole and, and Jerry Lawler. Uh so I thought that was really funny, but Miz told John Cena that as a host he sucks and he also gave John Cena advice on how to host, but it leads to John Cena being that guest referee where LA Knight picks up the victory over the Miz. And I thought this match was was decent. I thought it I thought it was better than decent. I thought, I thought- it was decent. The crowd was uh, they were super into it.
2: Yeah, I thought that this match was good. I I thought that it was more than decent,
1: and I like the. I don't think it, decent. I think. Uh, I think my scale is like decent and good are are pretty pretty close. I, I don't know. It's, I, not, it's not. It's not. It's not bad. I thought that this
2: one was actually really good. It was really entertaining. I like the fact that both, L.A. Knight and the Miz had interactions with John Cena. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was a nice little uh, turn on everything.
1: Um, the, but the match was a, lo- a lot longer than I thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, La Knight picked up the victory over the Miz, and, and I liked
1: I liked that aspect of John Cena being the referee. Yeah. Also, Michael Cole still taking shots at Danny E. I don't understand what's going on there. We called mm-hmm. him Eddie Munster again. That's but, a with yeah, on, John on Cena, the huh? John Cena went face to face with LA Knight, and that was unexpected.
2: Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, but LA Knight picked up the victory, and then when they were on the ramp, John Cena was trying to shake LA Knight's <laughs> hand, and LA Knight was like very hesitant. He was saying that he almost screwed him in that ring. He almost cost him that match. And finally, after some hesitation, he did shake hands with John Cena on that ramp and John Cena, Cena took his shirt off. Huh?
1: Cena took his shirt off.
2: Yeah, he did give him the uh the the shine and everything like that. Very cool moment. But next up was Rey Mysterio picking the victory over Austin Theory to retain the championship. Um this was a good match. I feel like this match was one of the matches that I was
1: eh, I think this know? was for me the only match that really felt like it could have been something else. Like, it it was not a bad match, but it felt like I was just watching SmackDown. And it was was the shortest match on the card, too. Which I think it definitely had to be the shortest match on the
2: card. But on the other hand, I don't think that it... I don't think that there was anything else for it to be done. It did what it had to do. Yeah, I was
1: just expecting more from it, like, storyline-wise, I guess. But LWO mm. all they all got to celebrate Ray Mysterio's victory, and I think that's that's a, a thing that's necessary with with building the LWO. Yeah, and I also I like the uh, the sliding DDT that Ray did from the the ring. Yeah, that was a cool spot. So after that, we saw the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest pick up the victory over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a Steel City Street Fight to become the new Tag Team Champions. That They're was happening. not what I expected you called it last week
2: yeah I was very happy with this outcome
1: and this This, matchup in in total was an awesome street fight this also in addition to that Zoe Stark and Becky Lynch match from Monday Night Raw last week I think this also could have been billed as a Terry Funk hardcore match
2: I I was actually about to say that this is what I was expecting
1: in the Terry Funk hardcore yeah. match. But apparently they weren't allowed to do stuff in, in Kentucky or wherever it was. So yeah. So if that's anything, unfortunate, I, don't, I think that they shouldn't have forced it. <laughs> no, to, they could have, no. they literally could have just done a tornado tag, but it was but cool that, then, that Kevin I, I think, Owens,
2: he took yeah, off back his then, shirt. I think that back then, I think that instead of doing the ter- calling it, a Terry Funk hardcore match, they could have just said that, this upcoming pay-per-view of payback, we are going to have a Terry Funk, yeah, hardcore that's true
1: match. too. You know, but Kevin Owens took off his shirt to reveal a Terry Funk shirt underneath, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Finn Balor Dude. taking the the terrible towel and then stomping on it, I thought was a fantastic spot because the fans cheered and then immediately started booing him because they stomped on a, a team towel.
2: Yeah, I think Brit so Baker spots. even
1: tweeted about it, so I think that's funny. Yeah, what were your favorite spots of this match? Uh, Well, we had Dominic come out and help Kevin, uh, help Damien Priest and Finn Balor, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn end up popping out of the penalty box in full Penguins hockey gear, and I thought that was so cool. Kevin Owens, Crosby and uh, Lemieux. Yeah, It it was like okay, relax with the Sidney Crosby. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was it was Lemieux and Crosby and I thought that was so cool Kevin Owens got busted open I don't know at what point I I forgot
2: what it was I think it may have been the trash can there was a part where he got smacked pretty hard with the trash can over the head
1: and obviously when they were dressed up like the penguins the use of the hockey sticks and everything that was a fun yeah you had a
2: you had a Kevin Owens do a swanton from the section balcony to through a table the, that spot to Dominic the, to the Dominic that's I was very nervous about because it, I swear I thought that he was going to overshoot it a little bit which he did I thought he did I thought he
1: missed at first but it made no yeah, sense he,
2: because the table broke it, yeah he did he did overshoot it but he still caught it enough and it, I was just like so cringing I was just like oh no
1: like I was really nervous the the disbelief on the guys face in the crowd when Kevin Owens hit that swanton I thought that was so funny yeah, yeah. And then I don't know if the Judgment Day went for like a Razor's Edge coup de grace like combo, which could have been cool. But that ended up, uh, Sami Zayn ended up escaping before whatever it was going to be. And we saw JD McDonough show up. He broke up a pin and saved Damian Priest again. Yeah. Kevin Owens hit him with a pop Power powerbomb on the commentary table. And then we saw Rhea Ripley come out and she, she- speared... Kevin Owens through the barricade. Yeah, just totally took him out. Awesome China gear from Rhea Ripley, by the way. Yeah, that too.
2: Nice throwback to China uh, paying homage. You know, I I thought that
1: this was just an awesome, fun, entertaining match. Yeah, and in the end, it was Dominic who used the Money in the Bank briefcase to help Finn Balor pick up the victory. And overall, I thought this match was wild. I thought this was a, a fantastic match and finn Balor's now a grand slam champion in wwe
2: yeah and then
1: later on john cena was was used as a backstage interviewer i popped big time for the lance catamaran reference uh, because i'm such a mark for southpaw regional wrestling so even Mm -hmm. to hear a name from it i thought was awesome and then michael cole named southpaw by name too so i thought that was cool but He basically just interviewed the judgment day and they celebrated their victory. So nothing like major from that, but no, it was still cool to see John Cena go back and do that and kind of channel Lance catamaran.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: but next up you
2: had the Grayson Waller effect with Cody Rhodes. Um, I thought that this was a nice filler segment, especially with the importance of his significance. I mean, Cody Rhodes announcing that Jay Uso is going to be joining Monday Night Raw. He
1: pulled a ton of strings and cashed in favors.
2: Yeah. I, wonder... I mean, at the time, at the time we thought that maybe this was a trade where Cody is going to SmackDown, but well, later still, on. That still I,
1: sounds like it, not to jump to Monday Night Raw, but. That, yeah. I mean, it still sounds think, like
2: it, but apparently like it. on Monday Night Raw, we still don't know who's going to be traded.
1: Well, on Monday Night Raw, they actually mentioned that there was the trade. There's going to be a trade.
2: Yeah, there's going to be a trade, but we don't know if it is Cody Rhodes, but the crowd reaction to Jey Uso. Yeah, big pop for him, and uh, he's got his
1: own Uso
2: theme now. I think that's cool. His own theme song, but the crowd reaction, that was special. You know, I I did not expect the crowd to be doing that wave that he was doing
1: simultaneously with Jey Uso. That was cool. And then Grayson Waller basically trash talked him and ate a super kick. Nah. After that, Rhea Ripley picked up the victory over Raquel Rodriguez to retain the women's championship. Um, Seeing somebody finally match up. I said this a few weeks ago, I think, but finally match up to the power of Rhea Ripley. I just think is great. I agree. I mean, this is a match that we
2: expected from knowing NXT um, but this match was really, really awesome. I think that towards the end of it, you can tell the fatigue factor may have been setting in um, to both wrestlers. But overall, this was an awesome match. The, the short arm clotheslines that Raquel Rodriguez just hands out just looks so nasty.
1: Yeah, and I like that Rhea Ripley put Raquel in the prism trap. Uh, trying to capitalize on Raquel's hurt knee. Normally we just see her do that on like smaller people. Charlotte also I think has been locked in it as well. Mm -hmm. But Dominic ended up being pulled into the ring and Raquel slammed him, but Rhea hit that riptide right after that to pick up the victory. But I think when you see a match like this and you see a match like the, the cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, they're really isn't a better women's division than wwe i agree with you like no matter what anyone says impact does a fantastic job at at booking their their women's division but i just don't think like you're not going to be on that same scale and same level as wwe yeah both of these matches were about like 20 minutes each and i thought both of them were were great in their own ways yeah i agree Main event saw Seth Rollins pick up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Nakamura had a, a cool entrance with all those cartoons. I thought that was a, a cool. Thing yeah, to have. I mean, me, me,
2: and you have always been a fan of those things. I mean, we saw uh, them happen on NXT at times, but uh, it was with... a bit different, though. No, nah, similar, similar anime graphics. I think It was a bit different. Not really. Not really. The person that was with, uh, I
0: yeah, forgot for May Ying,
2: her name
1: was. but yeah, it's very I think similar. It was, I think it was different.
2: Okay, you, you know.
1: But, uh, but it's also no nice what, to see Nakamura finally have like a main event match on a, a premium live event or a pay per view, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. No matter what, this
2: was really, really cool, really, really awesome. I mean,
1: great. And it Muda was just sitting Ringside was dope. Yeah. Muda at ringside. This was a a hot match. Nakamura controlled a majority of it. And I like when Nakamura went for the uh, Kinshasa and Seth caught him with that super kick instead. And then we got uh, the, the middle rope landslide from Nakamura. That was dope. But he hit a Kinshasa finally to the back of Seth Rollins. He went for a Kinshasa to the front of Seth Rollins. But Seth dropped down. They continued to fight. And I wasn't expecting Seth to win when he actually won. Mm -hmm. I thought Nakamura was going to kick out and and keep going after that stomp. But that match uh, I thought was a a fine, great main event. I don't want to say fine. I want more than fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A nice main event for for this pay-per-view or PLE.
2: Yeah, this was an incredible main event. Uh, I mean, there was even parts where you thought Nakamura could walk away as champion.
1: They actually successfully convinced you that he could win. And I was very happy that I was not spoiled. The only thing that I saw when I was at the concert was a tweet, I think, from WWE saying John Cena announced that he's going to be the guest referee. So I, I went into this completely not knowing the results. And I like that's i feel like maybe the first in a long time that i've done that i feel like the last time that i missed a a pay-per-view might have been when bubba ray dudley showed up in the raw rumble (laughs) and i wasn't spoiled on that so i think that was dope nah but yeah so that was great uh moving over to monday night raw mmm Monday night Nitro, kicking off with the newest member as per Cody Rhodes of the Raw roster, Jay Uso, who got interrupted by Sami Zayn, and Sami was like, "A lot of people in this Raw locker room probably have a problem with you being here, but Sami wanted to be the the first person to be there and tell him that he's happy that Jay is there." And he's proud that Jay broke broke away from the bloodline, and he went to shake his hand. Jay didn't do that, so Sami Zayn went to go leave the ring, and he stopped Sammy from leaving. And he's like, puts his hand out, and and Sammy went for a hug instead. Fans go absolutely bananas for that hug. I saw somebody yeah. tweet saying only wrestling fans uh, uh, applaud so, such a so loudly for for a hug in pro wrestling. Or not, not even in pro wrestling. Only pro wrestling fans uh, cheer so loud for a hug or something like that. We see it across all the uh, all the companies. <laughs> but Drew McIntyre ends up coming out for his match and had a stare down with Jey Uso. Obviously, there's history between McIntyre and the bloodline. Jey Uso is partly responsible, maybe, as to why McIntyre wasn't WWE champion. And then Sammy Sammy came back out. He broke that up. And then Matt Riddle came out for the match and also stared Jay down because he also has history with the bloodline. So Jay Uso at this point is very much so going to have to earn trust back from these people. Yeah. First match of the night, though, we saw the Viking Raiders pick up the victory over McGriddle in a tornado tag match. Uh which I swear to God I would have thought that Mick Riddle was walking out as the winners. So it's awesome I... to see the Viking Raiders continued to be built up like that. Yeah. I'm I was very happy that Viking Raiders picked up the victory, considering that did not expect it at all. The get the table spot from Riddle was really funny, and then McIntyre pushed him back. He's like, no, you get the tables, and he fell down to the mat. Yeah, But uh Kofi Kingston accidentally, he got involved and then accidentally kicked Matt Riddle, and Riddle ended up being used as a weapon by the Viking Raiders. I thought that was pretty cool. And they ended up putting him through a table to pick up the victory there. So, like I said, I was very much so expecting McIntyre and Matt Riddle to walk out victorious there but that didn't happen and McIntyre rightfully so was pissed off backstage looking for Kofi Kingston later on and Matt Riddle tried to calm him down Kofi approached them he apologized and McIntyre had his doubts he thought maybe it was a little fishy since last week he accidentally took Xavier Woods out so he thought maybe Kofi was like returning the receipt or whatever. Mm. And uh, McIntyre basically just said he's going to be keeping his eyes open for future accidents. So whether or not they're building New Day versus McGriddle, I don't know. Uh, Or maybe they're building up to a McIntyre heel turn still. I have no idea. I mean,
2: that's what I am thinking. I'm thinking that we're going to have a McIntyre
1: heel turn take place. You don't think? I don't know. But we had Seth Rollins backstage warned by doctors not to even go to Monday Night Raw. And he didn't care. He's the champion. He needs to be at every show, according to him. Uh, and then Nakamura ends up attacking Seth Rollins. They showed footage after their match at at Payback. That was all off air. We didn't see it. I mean, we saw it come out right after the pay-per-view, the PLE. But... They aired that footage and that's why the doctors didn't want Seth Rollins at Monday Night Raw. And we saw Seth Rollins go to the ring, call Shinsuke Nakamura out and Nakamura didn't go to the ring. So Nakamura, I mean, Seth Rollins, in order to entice him to get to the ring, offered him up a rematch for the championship right then and there. And Nakamura, very rarely do we see something like this. Nakamura said no. Yeah, I thought
2: that this was very cool because usually you'll have a competitor be like, all right, yeah,
1: I want that rematch. But he was just like, no, I, no. And people were like, "Ah, why wouldn't Nakamura want a rematch? And it's like, brother, have you been watching this? Nakamura's been playing mind games this whole time with Seth Rollins. Yeah. If he wants a rematch, he's going to get it the way he gets it, not the way he gets offered it. So they go to a brawl. Nakamura got some kicks to Seth Rollins back. Ricochet came out. We saw Ricochet earlier on with with Seth Rollins saying it doesn't have to be just you. There are other people willing to help carry the show as well. Ricochet came out, got some shots in on Nakamura. Adam Pearce was furious at Seth Rollins. Because he wants to prevent Seth Rollins from hurting himself even further. Yeah. And then sets up this match where we see Ricochet pick up the victory over Nakamura, but by disqualification. And I like how Ricochet got involved in this. Like, I, it, like the story intertwines where he's taking the burden off of Seth Rollins' back. Even mm-hmm. though Seth Rollins probably doesn't care about that because he wants to be the one that does this. Mm-hmm. But Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley were shown watching this and I was very confused as to why they were watching it. And then Nakamura, he uses that chair on Ricochet to cut the match short and he goes to hit a Kinshasa on Ricochet with the chair wrapped around Ricochet's neck. Seth Rollins ran down and got involved. He took out security and Nakamura comes out on top there. And... I didn't understand why Priest and Rhea Ripley were watching until they showed afterwards when Seth Rollins ran down. It's like, oh, okay. He could, he's watching this maybe for Seth Rollins to come out. He could, yeah, could
2: cash in, cash maybe. Cash in.
1: So I thought that was a cool aspect of that.
2: Yeah, I thought that that aspect is one that you don't really necessarily think about right away,
1: but then once it starts to make sense, you're like, oh. Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw Zoe Stark interviewed backstage basically saying that nobody pushes Zoe Stark and uh, uh, talking about Trish Stratus. And then Shayna Baszler interrupted. They had some uh, maybe like friendly banter back and forth. And it sets up a match between the two of them where Shayna Baszler picks up that victory over Zoe Stark. And I do wish that we could have gotten more of Trish and Zoe Stark but I 100% understand, like, splitting them up and and why they did it, So like, at this time at least. Yeah. But this match I thought was really good. Zoe Stark has some really good drop kicks, and she threw a few of them in this match. And Yeah, but, I mean, I, I like that Shayna Baszler coming out on top. You know, locking but in that, that choke hold. She had that Kirafuda clutch on her off of Zoe Stark's springboard move. And Zoe Stark fought it. Even when it was locked on, she fought through it. And I think that makes Zoe Stark look like a beast while also making Shayna Baszler look strong with that victory.
2: I totally agree with you.
1: And then Shayna showed her respect afterwards. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw Adam Pearce talking to Raquel Rodriguez backstage. And he spoke to her about a rematch or something. That wasn't really known to us then. But Chelsea Green walked in and Adam Pierce said that Piper Niven's not cleared. I don't know what happened there. And then Chelsea was talking trash about Raquel and Raquel happened to walk back in. And that sets up a match for the two of them where we saw Raquel Rodriguez pick up the victory over Chelsea Green. I think that was an obvious outcome. But everything um, yeah. about this match was was fantastic.
2: Yeah, this entire match was very entertaining. And once again, those
1: short arm clotheslines just nasty. From the start though, Chelsea tried to run away. She yeah. obviously she didn't want this match. She didn't she wasn't gonna be talking trash to Raquel's face. She didn't want any of that. Yeah, she was trying to get on out of there. And it was a, a quick match, but I think what they did in it everything made sense for both characters here. So I thought that was a a good aspect of it. And then afterwards, Raquel let us know what her conversation with Adam Pierce was about. And it's about getting a rematch for the women's championship next week against Rhea Ripley on Monday night, raw and Dominic's going to be barred from ringside. So I think, uh, I think we could assume that there's going to be other people involved, perhaps. I think that's a safe uh, safe bet. After that, we had Ms. TV with John Cena as the guest, quote-unquote John Cena, as uh, Miz wanted him to right the wrong that John Cena did at Payback and John Cena was not actually there but they did his full entrance they had miz talking to like uh talking to John Cena I mean uh, let's
2: let's also not forget that they had like the cameramen yeah were actually going through it as if John Cena was there too I I could
1: we saw that once before and I don't know what it was for but a gif popped up or a full like length shot of his entrance popped up and I'm like I I did not remember where it was done, why it was done, when it was done. And it was the same thing from, from Monday night raw. So I thought that was a cool thing to actually have the full entrance like that. But Miz spoke to John Cena as if he was there. And he came to the conclusion that John Cena conspired against him with LA Knight, And he ends up hitting the skull crushing finale on John Cena in quotes. (laughs) and Miz wants another match with LA Knight but no special guest referees this time so I thought this was a good segment Miz tweeted out uh, a, something about that segment and then Our truth responded and said he was appalled mostly hurt because Miz didn't invite him and little Jimmy to, to Miz TV to meet his childhood hero John Cena so I thought that was really funny <laughs> yeah so our truth saw him (laughs) our truth sees everything though yeah so i thought that was pretty cool uh and then earlier in the night we saw the judgment day celebrating dominic mysterio being uh, in the group for a year now and they spoke about i can't believe that time has so much time has passed yeah that's insane that it's been a year that he was corrupted by rear ripley
2: corrupted, enhanced, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. depends on which way you look at it. Big time enhanced, but they spoke about coming out on top at payback and they moved on to talking about Jey Uso being on Monday night raw now and the bloodline being the past and judgment day being the present and the future. And JD McDonough showed up and told Damian priest that his briefcase has to go, which is something we heard him say a few weeks ago. It was hurting the group, according to him. It was hurting his relationship with Finn Balor. But now, when he says that the briefcase has to go, it's because he introduces a brand new purple senior money in the bank Judgment Day briefcase for him. So he's trying to still earn Damian Priest trust. Yeah, he's trying to build up that trust game a lot. And I thought it was cool, and we finally have a custom briefcase for Damian Priest. Yeah, but Sami Zayn showed really up. Cool. Yeah,
2: and I'm I'm but, glad that I'm glad that they are still that he, that he's still like showing that they could be together because now they're trying to decide whether or not McDonough is
1: able to join them. And that's really who I think will probably factor into Rhea Ripley retaining next week yeah I agree with you maybe unless she's just not involved he's not involved or nobody's involved in general but I agree with you I think that there's going to be some sort of thing where he's involved yeah but Sami Zayn showed up to that segment and said that it took five of them to take the titles from him and Kevin Owens Kevin Owens wasn't there but he challenged Dominic Mysterio to a match and JD McDonough stepped up he's like Dom's not fighting I'll fight you and then later on, Finn Balor pitched bringing J.D. McDonough into Judgment Day. And that's when Damian Priest is like, I'll think about it. We'll see how he proves himself against Sami Zayn. Or Rhea Ripley said that. And and I think Damian Priest said that uh, he just needs to prove himself in general. Yeah. And then we also found out on Monday Night Raw, like we mentioned earlier, that someone is headed to SmackDown from that exchange from jay i mean can assume that it's cody it has to be cody right they said it's gonna people aren't gonna be happy about that or whatever and then we also had randomly we had champa talking to adam pierce i thought he was gonna be involved in that segment somehow i mean he was talking to him we don't know about what though
2: right you know don't know what went on in there, but
1: we're gonna find out what's taking place with that, I'm sure. But we did have JD McDonough pick up that victory over Sami Zayn. Yeah.
2: Which was important. I mean, and we also had um the assistants.
1: We had Dominic helping him out too yeah. to get the victory. Yeah, he saved JD McDonough from that Haluva kick. And then Sami Zayn attacked Dominic Mysterio and the match continued. Dominic ends up distracting Sammy Zayn, and JD McDonough rolled him up to get that victory and Sammy attacked Dominic afterwards and JD stood there for a little bit up until Sammy went for that Huluva kick. He stood there and then finally gets in there and makes the save. But he then got beat down by Sami Zayn. while Dominic left. He told Dominic to leave. So it's not like you can't fault Dominic for not going back, I guess yeah but he ended up leaving i think this match itself was was good and i think it would have been so much crazier so much better if it had been in nxt if it was in nxt yeah um i don't i don't know i definitely think so the match got what it needed to do done though it's not like I, i don't. i like i said it was not a bad match no, it was not a bad match. I thought that this
2: was a lot of fun. I think it's really cool when you think about that these two wrestlers, like you mentioned, it would be huge in NXT and stuff like that, and now it's being taken place on the main roster.
1: Yeah. But then I thought I was really Dominic, happy with it. You had Dominic and Jay Uso have a, a moment backstage where Dominic was like, I can relate to you. Yeah, We it was both definitely... come from broken families, and he's like... In Judgment Day, nobody's the leader. It's not like the bloodline. We're all equals. And then offered open arms for him. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to see Jey Uso actually join the Judgment Day, but that offer's on the table. Yeah. Based on broken family. So I think that's a, a cool thing to put there. That's
2: true. I It was definitely, I didn't expect him to, and it was weird too because he was like, the way that he went about it, he was just like, thank you for your time. Like, at the yeah, end. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, really grateful respectful. that he... Respectful. Yeah, he was very respectful towards Jay, and he was just like, thank you for giving me the time to talk to you about
1: this. I appreciate it, you know? That's, like, uh, kind of like the corruption that we see between uh, Thea Hale and J.C. Jane. Ah, oh, that's so true. But I don't think, obviously, I don't think that's going to lead to anything with Jay Uso. Mm-hmm. Throughout the night, though, we saw uh, WWE paying tributes to former Intercontinental champions. They definitely left a lot of people off. Obviously, that uh, they're not going to be able to show some of the champions that they left off, but Mm -hmm. it sucks. I feel like uh, they could have included a lot more people. I was happy to
2: see that they did include who they included, though. Like, Like, it sucks, though, like
1: obviously i think the biggest name missing is chris jericho he holds a ton of intercontinental championship records yeah rob van dam is one i don't think they showed yeah so i don't know if the relationship because of his aew appearance is screwed up or what but i know he recently did an interview that like kind of alluded to his wrestlemania 40 appearance kind of being like off the table now why would it be on the table? He was booked, because it's in Philly, that he was booked for uh, some sort of ECW event for WWE. Oh, I didn't know that. Not like a wrestling match or anything, but it was like some sort of like, I don't know if it was like a, an ECW brunch or something. I don't know what it would have been, but. Yeah. Or just like an ECW show that was attached to like a like a talk show sort of thing, a Q and a mm. thing. But uh, I don't know if that's still happening. But the main event of Monday Night Raw saw Gunter pick up the victory over Chad Gable to retain the Intercontinental Championship. They called it uh, Gunter officially breaking Hockey Talk Man's record. That still would go on to happen later in the week. But he's not wrestling on NXT. He's not wrestling on SmackDown. So... He's 100% broken the record by yeah, beating Gable. Yeah, thank goodness. I mean,
2: but this match, Gable, Gable really made it seem like he could have dethroned him. I mean, he had his family at ringside as well. Yeah. I mean, there was many moments where he even locked in that
1: ankle lock where you thought that Gunther could have tapped. Yeah. And I wish this match was longer. Mm-hmm. There was one spot that I didn't really get when uh, they teased the, the count-out spot. Gable suffered, I guess, by having to pick up Gunter and roll him into the ring. And then when he got into the ring, he ate a powerbomb just for rolling Gunter back in. He could have yeah. rolled in and rolled back out. That was a nasty powerbomb spot, too. Yeah, But the we saw him hit a, a diving headbutt and then went right into the ankle lock off of a pin from that. And Chad Gable, I think being so fired up and having the fans going crazy for him, it was awesome to see that. We've said so many great things about Chad Gable since his debut, I think. Mm-hmm. Even those backstage vignettes that he was doing in NXT, we were like, oh, we're, we're probably going to be fans of Chad Gable. Yeah. And like you said, that he did that salt. And Gunter got his foot up, and Chad Gable s- stopped himself. We saw that the other week. He stopped himself and put Gunter in the ankle lock. So, I do think the ending was a bit, like, too abrupt for how crazy the fans were going. Mm-hmm. But... I, I don't know. I thought that the the ending,
2: so I was actually looking at the time-wise. I think that the ending had to be that abrupt. Because Obviously, of,
1: yeah, 100%. The yeah, time-wise, like, they were out of time.
2: Exactly. I don't think people really take that into account where, like, when he went for that finish, the back, to, like, the what, whatever he did, really, really quick, they were right at the dead end of it. So it really had to be very, very quick. And I think that the fact that it was so quick made it even more impactful and powerful for Gunther because I forgot what he ended up doing. If it was a powerbomb and then the choke, what was it? The chokehold, powerbomb, and then he hit him with like two more moves. Right. But it was so powerful, impactful at the end of it where you knew nobody was going to be able to get up from this. And And right at the very end, they cut to Gable's family, and you see his daughter start to break into tears. And I thought that that was just amazing. And you know what?
1: Now I can believe that maybe Gable can dethrone him on a rematch now. And that, I mean, he has had a bunch of opportunities, I guess, but Chad Gable cut a, not cut a promo, but he was interviewed like post-RAW, and he was like, The thank yous and the shooshes, like, that's all fun and games, but when you're chopping me and yelling at my kid's face, now, like, that stuff goes to the side and I step up and I will 100% be dethroning Gunter. When that happens, nobody knows. If that happens, obviously we don't know. I would still like for it to be Seamus, but... We could always see Sheamus step in and uh, be Intercontinental Champion somewhere down the line as well. But I I would 100% be all for Chad Gable. Raw Rumble, WrestleMania, something like that. Taking that Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. But that was Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT. Tiffany Stratton picked up the victory over Kiana James to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Tiffany Stratton tried to cheat pretty early on and the referee caught her. And then she also tried to use the bag that Keanu James has been using. I thought that was a nice aspect of the match, but when the referee was distracted with that, she ended up poking Keanu James in her eyes and used that to basically win. Fans were super into this match. It wasn't a long match or anything, but I thought it was a good match. Becky Lynch showed up on the screen afterwards and spoke about how she hasn't won the NXT Women's Championship yet. So next Tuesday, she'll be facing Tiffany Stratton for the championship in the main event. And uh, Tiffany Stratton responded later on. I thought that was a very, very well done, fired up promo from Tiffany Stratton. But we also saw Thea Hale talking to J.C. Jane And she was excited that Becky Lynch is going to be there next week. Gigi Dolan showed up and said that JC's taking advantage of Thea Hale. Then Blair Davenport showed up and got in Gigi's face. And Thea was like, I don't need you to stand up for me, to Gigi Dolan. And that gets set up for a match later on. We also saw Roxanne Perez and Lyra Valkyria talking about everything. And Kiana James was pissed off that she lost the match against Tiffany Stratton. And that got turned into a brawl between Roxanne and Kiana James. But later on, we saw Thea Hale pick up the victory over Gigi Dolan. The match wasn't over right away, but it wasn't long. And Thea eventually locked Gigi in the Kimura, but Gigi got to the ropes. She was in the Kimura for a bit. She got to the ropes. She tried to lock it in on the outside. But Gigi tossed her into the ring post, knocked her down. Blair Davenport showed up behind the referee's back, knocked Gigi Dolan down, put her back in the ring. Thea Hale locked her in the Kimura lock, and that was the end of that match. I thought that was was good. Throughout the night, Diamond Mind were backstage celebrating being back. The Creeds, I should say, at least. And they were throwing a party for the tag team division, the family showed up and they thanked uh, the family for having Ivy's back recently, a few weeks ago. Idris Sanofi and Malik Blade showed up and they were like, you guys don't deserve a title shot, we do. Uh, Bronco and Lucius showed up, Hank and Tank. Reggie showed up to back up Nima and Price. But then we saw Los Lothario show up and said that they're going to take the titles. And last week, when they said they were going to be on NXT this week, I thought it was going to be a match, but it led to a huge brawl between all the tag teams. So I assume something big will happen with all those teams. We saw Ilya Dragunov pick up the victory over Oro Mensa. Dragunov kind of seeming off his game. We saw him missing Enziguri. We saw him get kicked by Oro Mensa when he went for that six-one-nine counter that he does. Obviously, that didn't last long and he was able to make like a full comeback, win the match, but a little bit off his game. And then Wesley came out afterwards. We saw him and Carmelo Hayes stare each other down earlier on and he told Ilya Dragunov that he's next and Dragunov was like, I'm next and Carmelo Hayes came out and said he got all the advice he needed from Shawn Michaels last week. There's no asterisk. Next to their their victory, next to his victory against Ilya Dragunov, and Shawn Michaels ends up booking Ilya Dragunov versus Wesley for next week, and then the winner moves on to No Mercy to face Carmelo Hayes. We saw Ilya Dragunov confront Trick Williams later on, and question why he's lying to his best friend about being able to beat him, and then Trick, I mean, he still swears by that he's he thinks. Carmelo Hayes can beat Ilya Dragunov. And trick uh, Ilya Dragunov said, either keep lying to Melo, your best friend, or keep lying to yourself. We saw Nathan Fraser pick up the victory over Duke Hudson to advance in the Global Heritage Invitational. I think, uh, not I think, Nathan Fraser definitely needed this victory here. He needed points. We saw Fraser reverse the Razor's edge. That led to the win. Uh, I hate that Akira Tozawa's matches have only been on level up lately, but next week his match is gonna be on NXT television. So that's nice. We saw Tyler Bate pick up the victory over Dabakato. Bate started off uh attacking Dabakato before the bell. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler Bates the only competitor from the Global Heritage invitational that we haven't seen wrestle. Um in the tournament yet. And I feel like he'll be the only one to wrestle outside of the tournament. While still doing that tournament. Unless Butch has a match coming up. I don't know. But Tyler Bate got Dabakato up for that airplane spin. Hit the corkscrew senton and picked up the victory. Mustafa Ali defeated Dragon Lee to become the number one contender for the North American Championship. Dominic was the guest referee and earlier in the night they showed him ripping pages out of a WWE rule book and I thought that was really funny and he he had his uh, custom Judgment Day referee shirt. It was purple and black. I thought that was really cool and we also saw Dominic allude to maybe not calling the match down the line to Carmelo Hayes and because he basically said that he's going to pick his opponent instead and The match was pretty even. That buckshot lariat from Mustafa Ali off the commentary table I thought was really cool. The rope-assisted jackhammer that he did was dope. And then Dragon Lee ends up hitting a move. I believe it was a powerbomb. And Dominic was maybe a little bit slow on the count. And Dragon Lee confronted him about it. And then Ali got a a very quick roll-up and Dominic counted super fast. So that led to him getting the victory there. But Mustafa Ali wasn't happy with that. He pushed Dominic to the ground and shook Dragon Lee's hand. We saw Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulak training backstage with, um, with Damon Kemp. And then Miles Bourne walked in. And Gulak was annoyed at him for accepting Fallon's invitation last week. Like I thought so. Like everyone would have thought. And Drew Gulak told him that he's not ready to compete on NXT television yet. And next week might be his only opportunity to make a good impression. So he better make it count. They showed a, a clip of Eddie Thorpe from last week after his loss against Dijak. And he said that he's not done with DiJack. So I think, I said it last week, I think we definitely need a strap match at No Mercy between the two of them. Everything that involved that belt, that just makes sense to me. Butch versus Axiom went to that 12-minute time limit draw in the Global Heritage Invitational. This was a somewhat slower-paced match, but I liked the submission aspects in this. I liked that submission that Butch used the ropes. He did on the ropes, at least, and I don't understand why the referee like restarted the count there. But overall, I thought this was a good match, and both competitors ended up getting points for it. Tyler Bates showed up afterwards to wave, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Butch is in the lead with uh, three points out of everyone in the tournament. We saw Lyra Valkyria speaking to Kalani James about her match last week, and Dana Brooke showed up. She was super annoyed that Lyra Valkyria was even talking to Kalani Jordan, and it was quite rude. It sets up a match between Dana Brooke and Lyra for next week, so even though the fans are, are booing Dana Brooke and she was portraying a baby face, I feel like we're getting that heel turn coming. It only makes sense. And then in the main event, we saw Braun Breaker pick up the victory over Von Wagner in a no DQ match. Corbin was asked about the match earlier on and he basically said that both of them need to prove something to him. And he doesn't care who wins. He's going out to do commentary for the match. And on commentary, he mentioned how this generation of NXT didn't do stuff like his generation with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura. They sold out Barclays Center. This generation's not doing that. But this match... Bronze kendo stick shots were seemed pretty hard. And I think they both did very well in this match with the weapons. I like the bulldog from the middle rope onto the, the chair that Bron Breaker did. The Steiner recliner with the kendo sticks nice. Um Von Wagner making the kendo stick explode on Braun Breaker was crazy. And then Von Wagner threw Braun Breaker through the NXT platform. I think we've seen that from someone before. I don't remember who. But Von Wagner hits a pop-up powerbomb on Braun Breaker through the commentary table. He gets him back in the ring. Braun Breaker low blows Von Wagner. Perfectly legal. Hits him with a spear. Picks up that victory. Braun Breaker continues the attack afterwards and smashed, I can only assume, Von Wagner's face With the steel steps, the camera cuts off. So we have no idea what actually happened. But I assume it's going to lead to him being disfigured again. And him maybe accepting it. I have no idea. Maybe he'll wear a mask. I don't know. The way commentary sold it, Corbin, I think it was, said, uh, oh my God, he actually did it. So I have to assume that something is going on with his face or his head and that's nxt not gonna have smackdown this week i'm away in florida but i will talk about it next week uh give a quick rundown and and hit the the very important parts if there are any major points that happen so right now i'm going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back here on marking out
2: I'm Sonny Kiss, The
0: Concrete Rose, and you are listening to Mark It Out. Back here on Mark Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling fans, you haven't heard this voice in, I want say, a month and a half or so. It's me. It's Chris. Uh, I'm back. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I had a very hectic summer, um, professionally, personally. Uh, I was all over the place. Um, I stepped foot into a summer day camp for the first time and did a bunch of filming there, which was very cool. Um... You know, family vacation to Aruba, first time there, that was awesome, um, and I saw Mudvading Cold Chamber for the first time in almost like 20 years, so unfortunately, due to personal and professional um, obligations, I was unable to record the podcast, but I know Brandon will definitely keep it going because uh, it is his podcast now, so I'm here to give you kind of the uh, the AEW. Portion of the show this week, but before we get that, it has been a very, very, very rough week, rough month, you could say, in the world of professional wrestling as we lost another. Uh, General Adnan, Adnan Al-Kassis, I probably said that wrong, my apologies, uh, unfortunately passed away at the age of 84. Uh, He was WWF Tag Team Champions with Chief J. Strongbow and also was the main event of SummerSlam 91 with Colonel Mustafa and Sergeant Slaughter as they faced off against Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. So our condolences go uh, to his family on his passing, and he leaves a uh, lineage behind in the world of professional wrestling. Now, before we go chronologically through Rampage, Collision, All Out, Dynamite, um, it seems like it's you know it's Labor Day ish weekends. AEW has their big All Out pay per view, and it seems like it's marred in controversy again. Because of CM Punk, last year there was the whole brawl out incident where he, uh, you know, decided he needed to say his opinions about everything and anything. Uh, last week, it, you know, it was reported that there was a, a backstage incident between CM Punk and Jungle Boy Jack Perry over Jack Perry's uh, quote-unquote way to get heat, even though eighty thousand people in arena can't see you. Can't hear what you're saying into a camera that's being projected all over the United States. But, but that's besides me. Um, this week, I want to say like 4.30, 5 o'clock last Saturday, uh, the news broke that CM Punk has been fired. Uh, A statement was made from AEW Wrestling Tony Khan. Uh, All Elite Wrestling has terminated the wrestler and employment agreement between Philip Brooks, CM Punk, and AEW with cause. Effective immediately, the termination confirmed today by Tony Khan. Uh, The termination follows a week-long internal investigation for an incident occurring backstage at AEW. I mentioned that before. Um, Tony Khan then goes on to thank CM Punk for that. He did make some comments at the beginning of Collision as well. and I, you know what, I, I think this is a good, I, I'm like, this is good and this is bad for AEW. I think this is good because this is the second time, you know, every, all, that, all in, I didn't get to speak about it, I thought all in was incredible. The wrestling was great, the presentation was great, it looked really awesome. But however, we weren't talking about that because we were talking about CM Punk getting into a backstage altercation with Jungle Boy. Same thing that happened last year at All Out. All Out was an outstanding pay-per-view. CM Punk wins back the world title. Then, we we don't talk about the event because we're talking about CM Punk getting into a fight with somebody. I mean, has it been known for a very, very long time that CM Punk is a very opinionated person? Yes. Um, do you think, you know, him coming back and saying, oh, I want to work with all this young talent, I want to do this, here's ice cream bars for everybody. Did we think when that CM Punk came out that we were going to get the... You could kind of say like, like old man CM Punk being disgruntled, you know, old man yells a cloud type thing. No, but unfortunately, that's what happens. And um, you have to kind of, especially being a young company too. I know, I know wrestling fans would be like, oh, so it's been around for five years. That's not that young. A five-year-old child is a young child. So if you think about it that way, this is still a young company and Two like two of their big major events out of that are more in controversy and you don't want that so like I understand you have to it's it's addition by subtraction you know th- there's a lot of reports saying that you know at CM Punk only sides with you know he's got a close group of people in there and um it, it uh, you know it's it's tough for me because I think CM Punk's a draw I do I think you know he's and he's had a lot of great matches like um, the dog collar match with MJF. I thought was outstanding. He got to renew this decade plus old rivalry with Samoa Joe, and I thought both the matches that they had were not bad. I thought they were good, even the one at, at uh, All Out, All In. But now it's time for and I, you know what? I have to give Tony Khan credit because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know, CM Punk does whatever he wants. He's the next Hogan. You know, CM Punk has also made you know, references to that in his matches by doing the Hogan leg drop. But it gives CM it gives Tony Khan some cojones to do something like that and get rid of CM Punk. So, um, now I think all elite wrestling should, you know, either have a big in-person meeting or a bunch of these locker room leaders like the Jerichos, the Brian Danielsons, um, who else have to step up and say, Hey, listen, you know, we have to put the best foot forward and the best foot forward is everybody working together. you know i i feel like there's too much you hear too much drama through all elite wrestling whether it's like maybe i don't i, I i'm not going to make any allegedly you know wrestlers leaking out stuff to dirt sheets and whatnot but i feel like this is the time now to kind of a band together b the locker room leaders need to kind of step up and put people in place And see, like, you kind of have to start cracking down on these whoever's leaking this stuff out to reporters. I don't know who it is. I'm just a wrestling fan that's talking on a podcast about this stuff. So um, there's already reports that CM Punk might be going, Impact wants to work with CM Punk. There's even reports that he might go back to WWE, which I think is crazy because, you know, the same people that. Punk, alleged, did not do right by him and his health, are still employed there. So what are they going to do in? Bring in an outside second-party doctor for CM Punk to say on, on show days? Who knows? You know, I know there's all the people now, too. It's like, oh, yeah, CM Punk referenced Roman Reigns at the end of his match by putting his shoulder on his belt and putting the one up. But we'll see. I mean, WWE, like, WWE, the, the doctor from... The last time CM Punk opened his mouth about that whole thing in the Art of Wrestling podcast, they went to a lawsuit, all that jazz. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's professional wrestling. You know, one day they could hate each other. The next day they'd be like, all right, brother, brother, let's do some work together. So we'll see. Uh, but the CM Punk era in AEW is over. Um, I, you know, I, I'm impartial on it. You know, I think it was good. I, As I said, I thought he was a draw. But at the end, I hear too much drama coming from him to, you know, help this Company take a step in the right direction. So, anyway, let's now go back in time because that was Saturday that that broke. We have to go Friday. We're going to blast through this because I want to spend more time really on All Out than anything. Uh, you had Rampage, which Brandon said was the uh, best hour of television they've had all week long besides the pay-per-view. Um, the ROH titles, tag team titles, MJF, uh, you know, better than you, baby, was on the line at All out, but you needed to determine who was going to face them, and it turned out to be the Dark Order winning a tag team battle royal, uh, and they went on to all out to face off uh, against better than Cole Bebe, so, I mean, better than you, Bebe, sorry, I just want to call them out. Cole and MGF, I'm going to do that, uh, you have the team of Nick Wayne and Vikingo defeating Kip Sabian and Gringo Loco, um, keep your eyes out on Gringo Loco, man, I know he does a lot of stuff in GCW and all over the indies, but d- dude's awesome, I really like him. Uh, you have Adam Page defeating Brian Keith in a, in a short but sweet match. Uh, Brian Keith got his got his stuff in. Uh, then your main event saw Chicago native Sky Blue because they were in Chicago because it was all out weekends. Uh, and Will Nightingale defeating Austin Kim against Ty-, Ty Valkyrie and Anna J. I like the team of Ty Valkyrie and Anna J. You know, there's uh, you know, y- you've got the um, long career. Of Taya Valkyrie there. She can kind of mentor Anna Jay, but unfortunately they didn't pick up the win there and it showed after the match where Taya was a little bit upset about that. So let's go on. Let's move on uh, from Rampage and let's hit off on Collision, which started off, as I mentioned, Tony Khan addressing the CM Punk incident. Um, but then you have Ricky Starks coming to the ring. You know, he challenged Ricky Steamboat to a strap match at all out, Ricky, Dra- Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes out, and he's about to sign the contract. It was Ricky Starks who signed it against the Dragon, but that wasn't the Dragon that he was going to be facing. As Brian Danielson made his return to AEW, he's been out on injury since his match with Okada, and he, he was the one that would be uh, facing off against Ricky uh, Ricky Starks in a strap match. Signs it, and Brian Danielson is back in action. So uh, that was an awesome match, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you have John Moxley backstage with Orange uh, talking about Orange Cassidy uh, hyping up his match for the International Championship at All Out. Uh, you had trios action as the acclaimed successfully defeated the team. Well, you could say like the now defunct Jericho Appreciation Society, Daddy Magic, Cool Hand, Ange, and uh, and, uh, and Daniel Garcia. Uh, I was Max Caster picking up a mic drop for the win after Billy Gunn, I like that he's being called like Billy Gunn now, uh, tagged in and hit Matt Menard with Famouser. So, cool on that. Uh, you have Aussie Open picking up a victory over Nick, Wayne, and Commander. I keep saying this all the time, the more that I see of Aussie Open, I like Aussie Open a lot more. But the bigger story out of this was post-match. Nick Wayne loses the match. Tony Khan goes to interview him and Darby Allen comes out, you know, um, Nick Wayne's say, you know, he's, he lost a match. He's frustrated. He's more frustrated that Darby Allen forgive AR Fox. Uh, and Darby, you know, comes out and starts to, uh, you know, explain to him, you know, he's, he's known him since he was eight years old. His father, you know, trained him, uh, I got it. He's got a big fight in him, and I, he burnt that bridge. Ar Foxes was one of his trainers as well, and he says he refuses to live with hate. And this causes Christian to come out. You know, Christian talking about uh, Nick Wayne's father, Nick Wayne's mother, and talks about Darby Allen and how him and Luchasaurus will see him in Chicago for All Out. So that's uh, hyping up uh, another good way to hype up uh, a match uh, going into All Out. Will you to Claudio backstage? Claudio beats up Wheeler Yuta for, uh, I guess you know, getting pinned, uh, in their stadium stampede match. Big segment as we have the return to professional wrestling of the Worm, Dennis Rodman. But before he could even get an answer off, Jeff Jarrett and his whole squad, uh, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, make their way to the ring, uh, and it's kind of shared a stare down, saying, you know, hey, Satnam Singh, he's a, he's a, a great uh. You know, great basketball player as well. So it looks like they're about to get into their faces and then the Acclaimed come down and essentially set up a match for All Out. Trio's titles on the line. The Acclaimed will be facing off against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. Uh, You had a Trio's action on here as well. The Outcasts pick up a nice victory here over Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, and Chris Statlander uh, as... uh, Soraya sprayed Britt Baker in the eyes with spray paint, and uh, Ruby gets the pin over Baker. So this is a nice win for Ruby, and for Ruby to get the pinfall going into her TBS Championship match at All Out against Chris Statlander. Powerhouse Hobbs faced off against GPA and just squashed him. You know, Bigger was uh, afterwards uh, a uh, post-match... beat down between uh, two big meaty men and we'll talk about meat when we get to all out but then your main event of the evening saw jay white pick up a victory over dax Harwood using the blade runner using the help of uh you know everybody else uh blow cup gold standing on the on the outside and gets a big victory here i like this i like the fact that you know what we when Jay White first came in, I remember Brandon being like, I don't know what to do with Jay White. But now they're really making him the forefront leader. And they're making him a, a big heel on collision. I really like that. They're really focusing on Bullet Club Gold. Um, but after the match, Bullet Club Gold surrounded Cash Wheeler. Dax Hardwood was already pinned and taken out. And then the Young Bucks came out. So it's it's kind of coincidental that... um, Excuse me, I lost my truth. That CM Punk gets fired... And now the Young Bucks show up on Collision. So, you know, the Young Bucks offer a hand to FTR. It's a big eight-man match set up for All Out uh, between FTR and the Bucks versus Bull Club Gold. Uh, and that's Collision for you. So we'll move on. We'll stay in Chicago because you had All Out this week. Uh, this weekend, live from the United Center in Chicago. United Center is really busy because I know All Out was there. I know Pearl Jam played there earlier in the week. A buddy of mine went there and uh, sat behind the stage and had a great time. So, uh, Pearl Jam, yeah. Start off the zero hour over the budget charity battle. While well, the winner gets fifty thousand dollars to give to a charity of their choice, and the winner, none other than Hangman Adam Page, defeating everybody, knocking out Brian Cage with a dead eye to win the match. So uh, a way to keep uh, Hangman Page relevant. Uh, you had people like Dalton Dalton Castle in there, Mogul Embassy, Commander Aussie Open, Tr- uh, Tremperetta, Scorpio Sky, to name a few. But Adam Page gets the victory. Uh, Trio's action with uh, a bunch bunch of female wrestlers as the team of Willow Nightingale, Sky Blue, and Hikaru Shida pick up the victory over the women's champion Athena, who was accompanied to the ring by her minion, Billy Starks, Diamante, and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, Sky Blue got the win in this, hitting the code blue on Diamante. Uh, Another great way to highlight uh, Chicago-born native in Sky Blue Um, and feature a bunch of women that are on Ring of Honor and all over AEW. So I am cool about that. Uh, And your Zero Hour ended off with the acclaimed picking up the victory over Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh uh, with Dennis Rodman actually smashing Jeff Jarrett's guitar over the head of Sotnum. I thought that was a big spot. Um, And Anthony Bones hits the mic chop on Jay Lethal for the victory. So it was a good way to Intertwine Chicago, let you can kind of call Dennis Rodman Chicago legend. Uh, You know he was on that great run with all those those bull teams. Yes, he was in the you know the NWO as well. But still, it's good to see him uh, back within the professional wrestling landscape. So, zero hours over, you start off the show with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles as MJF and Adam Cole pick up the victory over the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Um, I thought this was a great back-and-forth match. I liked the stare down between Alex Reynolds and MJF. As Alex Reynolds said on AEW Programming, he did have a part in training MJF, so that was a very cool moment there, but it was MJF hit the kangaroo kick and then hit the double clothesline to uh, get the victory. So, what's next for your ROH tag team champions? Uh, I liked this sequence here because your next match was Samoa Joe defeating Shane Shane Taylor for the ROH World Television Title in a Haas fight. But the bigger story, like the the one thing that stuck out to me is Samo- Like you have MJF and Adam Cole coming out. And then you have Samoa Joe come out, and he shoves MJF out of the way. And then, you know, MJF comes in, goes to fight with Samoa Joe. If you're a smart wrestling fan, you'll know that back in the NXT days of Samoa Joe, MJF was his, was a bodyguard of his, and he shoved him again too. So it's very, very long-term storytelling here between MJF and Samoa Joe. And it looks like Samoa Joe is going to be MJF's uh, next opponent, for the World Heavyweight title. And we'll talk about that World Heavyweight title situation. When we get to Dynamite. Uh, but big Haas fight here. With uh, Samoa Joe hitting a bunch of knee strikes. And locking in submission to get the win. So Samoa Joe retains. And there I think maybe going forward. like You have to find a way to drop that television title off of Samoa Joe. And really make him like a big monster heel in AEW. Because I think like he's been really showing his worth. Um, on AEW programming, on Ring of Honor programming. So, um, and I like Samojo a lot and I feel like they should definitely make him a top heel in the company. Um, Luchasaurus successfully defends his TNT championship against Darby Allen. Uh, it was Darby getting distracted because Christian Cage whacked Nick Wayne with a chair. So, you know, kind of showing his young, showing, uh, you know, sympathy for his young boy. But then it was Luchasaurus hitting two two stones and a lariat to the back of the head. Uh, to score a victory. Uh, afterwards, it was, you know, Christian Cage was going to hit Darby with a concerto, but then the uh, locker room ran out and stopped Christian Cage. So, um, yeah, what's next for Christian Cage? Uh, by the way, I have to say, every time I see, I liked, and I don't really talk about the media scrum because I really didn't pay attention to it, but I liked when Christian just walks, sits down in the media scrum and says, so, how's everybody's fathers doing today? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. And whenever you see Christian on TV, you know it's going to uh, go in that direction of him asking how people's fathers are or insulting people's fathers. Meat. That's the next word to describe the next match as Miro picks up a big victory over powerhouse Hobbs in, you know, Excalibur said it, it's two big meaty men slapping meat, thank you Big E for coining that phrase for all of us and the crowd loved this match and after this it's like, you guys, you have two big dudes here you really have to start doing something with them Uh, You know, everybody, the fans gave this match a standing ovation. Everybody loved this. Uh, Post-match, though, you had Hobbs blindside Miro, and he starts beating up Miro after the match. But then you see the AEW debut of C.J. Perry. Miro's shoot wife, who comes in the ring and hits Hobbs with a steel chair. Uh, Miro grabbed the chair and then smashed it over Hobbs' head. Uh, and Miro walks away and does it, and like kind of know sells his wife here, so maybe that'll be a, a good story going forward. But I, you know what, like after this match too, like you kind of have to push Hobbs, you have to push Miro here too, like Miro to kind of bring it full circle. Why don't you put him back in the TNT title picture? But it looks like the feud with the Christian Nick Wayne and Darby Allin and all stuff like that is going to continue to kind of run its course here. So um, yeah, meat. This is meat. Meat forever. Maybe the best chance I've heard in twenty years. Next up after this, Chris Statlander is successful in defending her TBS Championship against Ruby Soho. You had the, you know, the end. The end saw Soraya get distracting the ref, so Ruby can grab the spray paint, and then Tony Storm crawls out underneath the ring and took the the spray paint spray paint can away. But. I thought this was a good match between two solid competitors. Got to give props to Chris Statlander on her Zoolander gear and then getting the attention of Ben Stiller on social media and uh, him appreciating it as well. So Chris Statlander returning from injury and having a, I think, really nice run as a TBS champion. Another really awesome match after this. Brian Danielson picks up the victory over Ricky Starks in a, in a strap match. This match was hard hitting. This match was bloody. Um, I know Brian Danielson at some point during AEW programming was the last strap match that he had was against somebody that he loved and he cared about, and that match was against the Fiend. So I'm really I, I appreciate it. you know everybody's been getting their little tributes in to Wynton Rotundo. You had you know it all in. You had the uh, House of Black coming out with the lantern, you know, Brian Danielson referencing, uh, Wyndham on programming this week. And this match was just hard hitting. It was back and forth. Um, it was also Brian Danielson's first, Daniel Bryant, Brian Danielson, sorry, wow. Brian Danielson's first match back from injury. And to go into it like a match like this, I thought it was great. However, Ricky Starks did not tap out because he lost consciousness. The referee calls for the bell. Um, Starks made a statement, though, saying, you know, another guy. This is another guy in Ricky Starks, too. Like, you can call him a pillar, whatever you want to call him. But this is another guy now. With the absence of CM Punk, you should start pushing him as a, a big heel on Collision. So, continual on with All Out, you had Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta picking up the victory over Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. Um... As Claudio hits Kingston with a, a, a European uppercut and pins Kingston, uh, continue on this feud with Claudio Casagnoli. I feel like it has to go into Eddie Kingston winning the ROH World title at some point, maybe the final battle this year um, because these guys have you know, since Eddie has come back um, or even even before Eddie went to Japan, they've had a, a feud and they've also had a feud for I don't know over a decade as well. Kanosuke Takeshka picks up a victory over Kenny Omega. I saw a stat this week that said like the past, out of the past six pay per views, Kenny Omega has lost five of them. So, but this I like this. This is a good way to hype up Kanosuke Takeshka a little bit more. Yes, I know the ending was heelish tactics with. You know, the screwdriver somewhat getting involved, and then Takeshka, you know, dropping his knee pad and hitting a big knee stripe for the victory. But it just shows you, too, A, you know, Kenny Omega's the, the big bat machine, the cleaner, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And for somebody like Takeshka, who's relatively new on the American wrestling scene, to get a victory over Kenny Omega, I think that speaks volumes, and it shows you that they have faith in Takeshka going forward. And also... It keeps this feud between Omega and Don Callis going forward. So, I'm continuing on. Bullet Club Gold picks up a huge victory over FTR and the Young Bucks. I like this. I mean, I thought it was going to be FTR and Young Bucks uh, getting the win and then everybody holding hands and be like, hey, we can be friends even though we don't like each other. But, again, it's hyping up Bullet Club Gold. They're really investing in Bullet Club Gold. I am about it. And your main event. Unfortunately, saw I don't I don't want to say unfortunately, but John Moxley is your new AEW International Champion, defeating Orange Cassidy who has had a heck of a run as the champion. This match was bloody, it was back and forth. You saw a side of John Moxley, I mean a side of Orange Cassidy that you've never seen before. Um and this promo even to like the promo beforehand like last week on Dynamite I'm Orange Cassidy you know saying like I do this for this. Um, but Orange Cassidy has had you know a reign of 326 days, um, what was it 31 title defenses, and I thought he was the heart and soul of this title. Um. It was all over the place, but unfortunately, it was you know a couple King Kong lariats and a Death Rider, uh, for the victory. John Moxley wins. Um, now I feel like Orange Cassidy really elevated the international championship when this came in. It was the all Atlantic championship, it was you know, we the Japan on it, They re-branded, they rebranded it. Orange Cassidy did a thing, and now I think it's like your number two title now in All Elite Wrestling, because the TNC Championship has had so many starts and stops Wardlow and this guy, and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage—but now putting a ti- putting this title on John Moxley says like, "Hey, listen, this is—we have one of our top tier guys being champion. We—I w- hope they do a lot of great things with it because I think Orange Cassidy did a lot of great things with it. So that that was all out. I thought." After the drama and the BS that happens with CM Punk, I thought this was a great show saying, Hey, we're AEW. AEW. We're going to come out of this this big pay-per-view, unfortunately, the CM Punk drama, but show you why we are some of the best wrestling in the world. And it showed. I'm about it. AEW, AEW, let's continue on to Dynamite. From the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indiap- Indianapolis, Indiana, you started off the show with Orange Cassidy, which I think speaks volumes. I said this to Dave the other night. I think one of the faces of AEW is Orange Cassidy. Heck of a run as the international, ch- one of the greatest championship runs in all elite wrestling comes out, and they give him his flowers. Thank you, Orange. Now Orange Cassidy's saying, they told me to stay home. But I want to be here every single week. And he said his new catchphrase, I'm freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase, but I don't want them to overdo kill that. Like, I don't need Orange Cassidy to talk every single week and him to say that at the end. You know, I I thought the promo last week on Dynamite, when he dropped that line, they should have left it at that because, like, that's, like, one of those moments using that line and you don't want to drown everybody in that Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase line. But he comes out and as he's leaving... New international champion John Moxley shows up with uh, Claudio, and John Moxley goes on to successfully defend that title against AR Fox. Uh, in a nice back and forth match, AR Fox got his got his stuff in, uh, but it was Ox- it was Moxley hitting the King Kong Lariat, Death Rider for the victory. Afterwards, uh, Darby Allen comes out to check on AR Fox. Nick Wayne is watching in the back, and he's approached by Christian Cage and Luciusaurus. And Christian Cage tells him, you know, if you if you want a true me- mentor, uh, you know, come to him and tell him to say hi to his mom. So, uh, as I said, TNT title. I think that um, maybe Nick Wayne's the guy to put the T- TNT title on. I would appreciate that. Maybe it's like maybe Christian actually defends it against Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne gets the victory. That would be a surprise of the year, and I think that would be uh, maybe something. I, it would be so, something fun to do. Nick Wayne's a, a very talented individual. Next up, TBS champion Open Challenge match. Chris Statlander successfully defends her title against Emmy Sakura. This was a hard hitting match. Chris Statlander took a big bump to the outside. You know, Emmy Sakura did that flying crossbody into the ring steps. It was. Hard hitting, but Statlander comes out on top, hits the Wednesday Night Fever, pins Emmy one, two, three, and she continues her dominance as AEW TBS champion. After this, you had Roderick Strong with a uh, a sit down interview, talking about uh, they announced that there's going to be a Grand Slam tournament. The winner of that tournament will face off against MJF at Grand Slam. For the AEW Championship, Roderick Strong saying, you know, his parents uh, weren't really there when he was growing up. Wrestling gave him an opportunity, uh, and uh, professional wrestling is not just a business to him. It's everything, and Adam Cole knew that, um, and he's going to go win uh, the AEW uh, Championship at Grand Slam. After this, you had the team of Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, pick up the victory over Aussie Open. Um but but I thought a back and forth great match. Again, I always say it, I like Aussie Open a lot. Uh but after the match, um it was Jericho and Sammy getting into it because Jericho accidentally hit uh Sammy Guevara during the match. Shoving, AEW security has to separate the two. It looks like it's going to be a match between Sammy and Jericho with uh Sammy going over. Um Don Cal says that next week he's going to unveil our their next target after uh, beating Kenny Omega twice in seven days. So I'm all about that. I wonder who it's going to be next. It's probably another member of. Probably, it could be Hangman Page. You know, they, I mean Hangman Page. I know I'm jumping a little bit forward here. I know they're setting up a Brian Cage Hangman Page match after that whole promo that happened later in the night. Um, but. Maybe it could be the after. Maybe after the Hangman Page Brian Cage match, Takeshka comes out. You know, hits him and uh, hits a screwdriver. They're gonna systematically take out all of the elite, starting with the two singles guys. And then once uh, Takeshka has a tag team partner, they'll take them out. Next up, MJF, Babyface MJF coming out, talking about how he's going into Grand Slam, talking about his World Heavyweight uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and talking about how uh, whoever wins the championship is going to have to be on the level of the devil Uh, but there's one person that needs to be taught a lesson he says and it is Samoa Joe who comes down and I thought the back and forth interaction between both these guys was awesome Um, I thought the 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 mental game that Samoa Joe was trying to play to try to get MJF to beat him up was great Um, I thought the small jabs at each other we're very good as well, talking about their backstory. You know, going back to like the NXT WWE days when MJF had a tryout, which then led to MJF sla- slapping Samoa Joe, trying to provoke him. Uh, but as MJF's walking out, like, yeah, I guess you know, Babyface MJF is gonna take the high road. MJ uh, Samoa Joe kicks the ropes, stomps down MJF. Uh, he charges at uh, you know, back and forth brawl between it. Samoa Joe is gonna looks like he's about to hit the Muscle Buster, and Adam Cole comes in to make the save. So, I mean, we're going to talk about the, all these matches for the Grand Slam uh, World Title Eliminator Tournament, but it looks like it's just going to be Samoa Joe winning the thing. But, I, I mean, I'll, I'll blast through room really quickly. Roderick Strong picks up a victory over Tremperetta. You kind of have to have Roderick Strong go to the I, I'm assuming the finals are going to be Roderick Strong versus Samoa Joe. So, but, uh, great match between... Roddy and Trent here, um, I liked the sale that Trent gave at the end of Heartache. He hits it, and he just kind of goes limp right in the ring, which I thought was a good sale. Um, so, continuing on, I spoke about Adam Hammond Page. Uh, he is was the winner of the Over the Budget Battle Royal. Gets to donate $50,000 to a charity of his choice, and the, he chooses, um, I forget the name of it, it was some sort of Chicago teacher's fund. And he said, "You know, teachers, you're over, you're under, you're underappreciated, you're underpaid." Uh, it was the Chicago element, uh, the Chicago elementary system for children. So um, I thought it was great, good for them, good for them to give money to teachers because yes, they are underappreciated, they are underpaid, and they're overworked. So, um, anyway, I, I said it before. Hey, K- uh, Cage page three. I don't like. What was the last time they faced each other? Why is they hyping it up to like be this type of match? But hey, listen, I know the pencil, brother. Anyway, your main event time. So Darby Allen picking up a victory over Nick Wayne to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Um, You saw Christian Cage and Luchasaurus uh, join the broadcast booth during this. Uh, Nick Wayne looked like he could have had the victory here. And there was a lot of cool reversals. I liked that Nick used the Last Supper for near fall at the end of it. Um, And I liked that Darby was going to go for the coffin drop on his back and had second thoughts. But it was uh, Darby grabbing Nick's arms and stomping in the back of Nick's head for uh, Darby to get the victory. So Darby Allen advances. Roderick Strong advances. I think now it's Samoa Joe versus Jeff Hardy. And then. I forget what the fourth match is. I apologize. I'm going to the AEW socials right now. If Brandon here, was here, he'd be like, "God, oh, I just know this." Oh, and it's Penta versus Jay Lethal. So essentially, it's going to be Penta versus Samoa Joe. I'm seeing if I could find the bracket if they posted it on their social media as well. I don't see it. Da, 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 da. Keep looking, but it's going to be uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm not too sure, but um, and then. The, they're having the semifinals matches on Collision this week, and I must, they're having two semifinal matches on Collision this week, and they're having two on Dynamite, and I, I'm assuming they'll probably finish up a Collision next week. So, it's going to be Samoa Joe versus MJF. Um, so, cool. So, a lot of AEW to talk about this week. Um, I did it solo in th- about 35 minutes, give or take. So I'm going to close a pin on the AEW portion of this. Oh, and guess what? I can still talk now because I have a match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Match of the week this week goes back to WrestleMania 30, the one where we were all in COVID. Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt, I watched this back recently because, unfortunately, due to the unfortunate passing of Wyndham Rotundo, Bray Wyatt, Husky Harris, whatever you want to call him, Wyndham Rotundo, Um for the era that we were in at that time, I thought that match was great. It was it was zany. It was in true. It was into that very true Bray Wyatt form at that time, um, and I thought John Cena did a heck of a job with it as well. Um, so go back to watch that back on the network. Um, and you know, I did, I wasn't here last week to comment on it, but it just, it hurts, man. I mean, Terry Funk, one thing to lose Terry Funk is one thing because, you know, he's a legend, but to lose someone like Wendell Bertundo so unexpectedly, um, hurts, you know, he's everybody loved Bray Wyatt. I I, I said this to a friend of mine the other day too. Um, he was the metalheads wrestler. You know, big husky guy, dreadlocks, tattoos, comes out to code orange. Uh, it was just like the imagery was so, so well done, and you haven't seen a performer like that, like with that type of character, in a very long time. So, um, you know, my condolences go out to Wyndham's family, Wyndham's friends, um, and let's just keep uh, his memory alive, everybody. And go back and watch this match. Go back to pitch. We'll go watch the pitch black match too. Um, so. That's it on that front. Uh, Brandon, who are you shouting out? Hey there, pal. It's me, Mickey
1: Mouse, and you're listening to Brandon Shoutouts. You are so not invited to my bot mitzvah gets the first shoutout. Have you heard about it at all or no? Probably not. I have. Oh, you have. From me? Did I speak to you about it? (laughs) No. It's a new movie that came out the other week on Netflix starring the Sandler's. And Sonny Sandler is actually the main character and her and her sister play Adam's daughters and Adina Menzel plays the mom, Sarah Sherman's in it, Luis Guzman is also in it, Uh, but it's about two best friends who dream about having their bat mitzvahs and uh, then drama comes up and gets in the way of that and I thought it was a really funny movie and I thought Sonny was great in this role. She's not like a star in any of his other films or anything, but I thought she did very well in this. And I could definitely relate to the, the bar slash bot mitzvah side of it. Mm-hmm. And I just like, cause I, I how many bot mitzvahs bar mitzvahs have we gone to throughout our lifetimes? A ton. I have to assume that the next one I'll be attending is probably about nine years from now i haven't been to one in maybe 10 years so it was uh it was fun to like see the aspects of the the bar and bat mitzvah like process like that Mm -hmm. but i would definitely check this movie out on netflix how did you hear about it um i
2: was just on netflix scrolling
1: oh i would definitely check it out uh my next shout out goes to Jimmy Buffett, who unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 76. I think Jimmy Buffett created like a whole genre of music that blended rock, country, calypso, folk music, and more genres into one that other musicians started to adapt like uh, or adopt. Like Kenny Chesney. I think he's big in that same genre. But... I really wish that I got to see Jimmy Buffett perform live. He was always at Jones beach. And I saw a video a few weeks ago that compared his parrot heads. That's what he calls his fans to Swifties. And like, based on what I know about both, it's definitely like I could see the comparisons, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's just so unfortunate that, that he passed away. And although I've never seen him, perform i've been to a bunch of margaritaville restaurants i've been to the margaritaville resort and he built an entire empire from his music and that includes land shark lager he's got a cruise there's a whole retirement community in florida based on margaritaville and i mean there's so many he's had hits like margaritaville cheeseburger in paradise a pirate looks at 40 why don't we get drunk come monday so many more songs And, uh, I just, I, like I said before, I wish I got to see him perform. Yeah, I agree. And then Steve Harwell, unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 56, the lead singer of smash mouth. And I think it's very unfortunate that he went through what he did, but I actually did see smash mouth live three times once on long Island with sugar Ray, gin blossoms, vertical horizon and and fastball. And then the other two times that I saw him was actually in Epcot. And it was cool to see the way the fans went absolutely nuts when the first note of all-star would drop. It's like almost like nothing else, Mm -hmm. but other songs, obviously that, that smash mouth did would include then the morning comes walking, uh, walking on the sun Pacific coast party. And then they have covers of can't get enough of you, baby. Why can't we be friends And another huge hit for them was "I'm a Believer," which was written by Neil Diamond. A huge hit for the Monkees, but between "I'm a Believer" and "All Star," uh, both of those songs were uh, filmed—not filmed—featured in Shrek. Mm. "All Star," I think, was actually in Mystery Men first, but I don't remember. Yeah, I believe it was in Mystery Men first, and uh, but it like really blew up with Shrek. And even at the, the concert that I went to, Simple Plan does a cover of All-Star in, in concert. So it's cool to hear that. I heard that over the weekend. But you should go listen to Jimmy Buffett. You should go listen to Smash Mouth. Gary Wright also unfortunately passed away at the age of 80 this week. He worked on a few solo Beatles records and has hits like Love is Alive and his biggest hit, Dreamweaver. That's like that song you could picture slow motion for. When you, when yeah. you, if you know what I mean, it, it makes sense or whatever. So, mm-hmm. go listen to three of them and and pay tribute. But those are my shout outs Now it's time for our. our... right our mark out moment of the week Uh, did you mark out that
2: I I marked out for the payback pay-per-view I mean I totally marked out for the pay-per-view I thought that PLE pal huh? it's a PLE pal yeah PLE pay-per-view whatever you do want to call it Um, something else I marked out over was CM Punk being
1: fired. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask you if you marked out over that.
2: Yes, I marked out over it. It always seems like we always, we've been on the trend of
1: talking about this stuff during markout moments. (laughs) It's just, it's just, everything is very unfortunate that happened between both parties. Yes, I agree with you. And Uh, I think, I think back when Brawl Out happened, the other parties probably should have been released of their EVP status.
2: Yeah. So, I, you know, it's even how very... they're
1: reacting to CM Punk's firing, they're not like directly doing it, but doing victory laps around the ring on collision to show that CM Punk, I guess, built. It's like, come on.
2: Yeah. It, it's just, just just so much so many problems that were taking place. I think that the a stance had to be taken and it's about time that they did take a stance. But even, now...
1: But even when like they all the wrestlers come out and say, oh, the locker room's not split, there's still very clearly a split. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a split
2: there. And now I think it's going to be a healing process where we have to see what's
1: going to happen now. Now there's a... I mean, rumors so, of CM Punk returning to WWE. Are you open to that? I don't want CM Punk back. I've seen I, his recent work. I agree with which, you. Which, no, I shouldn't say I've seen his recent work because I've enjoyed some of his matches that he's been back with. But I, the only I, way I'd want CM Punk back would be for commentary. I don't need I, to see CM Punk wrestle anymore. I worry that he's going to be too toxic in the locker room. That we've already seen, like, Interviews from Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins saying absolutely not. Obviously, I mean uh, Roman Reigns has been like more open to it. I feel like where he's like, I'd rather not. But if if it's better for the show, if don't it makes it, sense, then yes. But yeah, I would I prefer mean, not. I'm just. I mean,
2: I just worry that it's going to be too toxic backstage.
1: Well, that's something we don't really have to worry about
2: that's true what about but
1: you other like actual mark out moments I guess the Angle documentary premiered on Peacock I thought that was a very well done documentary and there was a moment where Kurt Angle was talking about debating on whether or not to join WWE and how like, why would I join WWE I'm a real wrestler yeah. and then he spoke about seeing how athletic some of the wrestlers were And they cut to a clip of Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc 97. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. Like, he could have seen that. I just, I don't know why they would have picked a WCW clip if he's debating on joining WWE. Mm -hmm. But the next two clips that they show for athleticism is a match between AJ Styles and Kofi Kingston, which is like how many decades after Kurt Angle made his WWE debut? Yeah. And then Shawn Michaels versus Shelton Benjamin. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, because both those matches took place after Kurt became a pro wrestler. But that was like the weirdest thing of this. And I thought there were like forbidden door appearances because Mark Henry and Jim Ross were part of it. But apparently this documentary was made by Kurt Angle without WWE. And then WWE acquired the rights to it. So that's why I guess maybe it ends with the the clip from TNA. Mm -hmm. And then like word updates as to what happened with Kurt Angle next. So that was weird, but I think it's a good documentary and worth checking out. And I think if you're an amateur wrestler, it's like very heavily focused on that. Mm -hmm. So I think you would enjoy it for that aspect Mm. Uh, something else that took place on Saturday uh, on collision after CM Punk got fired was Dennis Rodman returning to a wrestling ring in front of fans I thought that was pretty cool to see yes in Chicago that's really awesome you know and he was yeah he was interviewed afterwards and he got really emotional about being back in Chicago there Mm -hmm. so I thought that was cool uh, at the Simple Plan, uh, during the Simple Plan set, I should say, at uh, Jones Beach, Jax was a guest, and I thought that was cool. I feel like nobody around me knew who that was, <laughs> but because I'm all over TikTok, I know who Jax is, and I I wish she performed her song, but she didn't, so it mm-hmm. was still cool to see her. And then uh, Chris Statlander's gear at All Out paid homage to Ben Stiller's... Zoolander which is a movie that I've never seen but she tweeted it to him and he responded saying ridiculously good looking which I assume is probably something from the movie and I think that's cool that she got a response from Ben Stiller about her gear yeah agreed but that's really that's all I got for the mark out moment of the week as of now Uh, nice take it home that was episode 657. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You could follow us on Twitter at MarkinOut at BTTG161 on both Instagram and Twitter. Chris Dog on Twitter. CMSween85 on Instagram. David PTDPT on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. Facebook.com slash Marking Out 11 on YouTube and Instagram and Threads. Um, ProWrestlingTease.com slash MarkingOut. You could check us out on TikTok, like I was just saying, at Out. Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the,
2: the best of luck, luck in your in future, future endeavors. Have a Fantastic queen!